Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of Death Holler, uh, where we will be gathering today to discuss the life and the legacy of the dearly beloved Eddie Munson uh, from Stranger Things Season 4. Uh, I am the director of today's services. I am La Irena, and with me I have the Reverend Dr. Death here to uh, help kind of run the ceremonies a little bit. Reverend, say hello. Hello. And I've also brought my hubby along because, you know, I just make him do things. You can just call me the smoking chimp. The smoking chimp. He is a smoking chimp. <laughs> so, hey everybody, welcome. Thank you for joining us today for this uh, lovely service today. Hopefully it's a good one. Um, we're going to have, I don't know, what we say is going to be a, a brief breakdown of Eddie Munson. I don't know that it's going to be so brief. I feel like there's a lot to be said about him. What say you, Reverend? Uh, there, yeah, there, there's quite a bit. I mean, uh, you know, sometimes a character gets added to a pre-existing story, whether it be in a series of novels, comics, movies, or a television show that captures the heart of its fans. And, you know, a character that's written or acted so well with such a satisfying character arc that you can't help but root for him to succeed. And Eddie is the epitome of that. I mean, um, I, I, I loved him from the, you know, the very first time he was introduced. So we'll get into it. But I mean, that's just, you know, I mean, he they did such a good job with this character. Yeah. And if you didn't already know, and if you're listening to this, there's going to be some spoiler alerts in here. So, you know. What, babe? Um, can I say something about D&D? Not yet. Wait till we get to, like, the first episode. Because that, that's probably a good time to bring that up. That, that whole episode's about it, yeah. Yes. So, um, anyways, I'm going to break I'm gonna break down kind of episode by episode. Not a lot of detail. When I say not a lot of detail, I literally wrote maybe a sentence or two about the episode. We stuck to only the Eddie Munson parts. Uh... You know, there's there's quite a few standout characters in in the Netflix series, but really, I don't know. For some reason, Eddie kind of hit a lot of people in a different way. I mean, at, at this point, he's pretty much blown Eleven out of the water for this particular season. It's not that she's a useless character anymore, but the focus is on him. The the previous standout character for the series was Steve. Like yeah. everybody, you know, he was everybody's favorite babysitter. <laughs> I know some people who are really into Billy for whatever reason. I don't I don't get it, but you know, he's he had the bad boy thing that some, you know, some ladies liked, but you know, that he didn't he, he wasn't a universal hit across the board. I knew without even looking up on Google, I knew that he was short. He just has <laughs> yeah. You would say that the older women liked him. Oh yeah, the older I think I think they kind of pointed that out too in the season how the older women were kind of just going gaga over him which you know you, I, I you have to say the the moving and stereo scene was pretty fucking epic. Yeah, and well, I thought that uh Mrs. Wheeler was way more epic, but that's just me, you know. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> yeah. Husband agrees with you. Okay, real quick. A lot of my information I pretty much got from Stranger Things Wikipedia, so just so everybody knows, I'm referencing here where I got my information from, not to mention watching the actual fucking series myself. Uh, so who is Edward Eddie Munson? Uh, well, he was portrayed by Joseph Quinn. Uh, I did not look up the things he's been in, but he's been in a few 
I, you know, a few different shows, movies, and I didn't really want to go over that because we just want to stick to the basics here. Um, and he listed is listed as was a main character in Stranger Things. <laughs> wah, wah. Being introduced in the too fourth soon. season. Yeah, too soon. <laughs> he was the leader of the Hellfire Club, the official D&D club of Hawkins High School, and an electric guitar player in his band, Corroded Coffin, which I was unaware of. Were you aware of this Corroded Coffin? Uh, I saw it in the notes whenever I was doing the research, but I would not have. I, I don't think I got that out of the, the actual show no. whenever I was watching it. I didn't. Either. This is the same dude that Rihanna was trying to get hooked up with, right? Rihanna? Yeah, she DM'd that one guy. No, you're completely messing up a different actor and oh, a different. Bad. I'm asking a question. <laughs> and a different black singer. Yes. Uh, in other Netflix <laughs> Stranger Things news, Doja Cat yes, had been DMing a specific character, the one who plays Will Myers in the thing, and she got mad because apparently he decided to go public with the DMs. I don't know why. I don't know if it was like a bragging rights. <laughs> completely off topic but that was pretty fucking funny i did not read into that I, i'm surprised because i'm usually into kind of like bullshit entertainment news like that and i have not read up on it i just kind of know the basics that she was pissed about it i'm here for the useless stuff <laughs> all right eddie eddie was a full non-conformist metalhead he was hated by those who don't understand him but loved by those who did Eddie enjoyed playing Dungeons and Dragons with his friends and has considerable knowledge on the game. He was the head of the Hellfire Club. And because of this devotion to the Dungeons and Dragons, Eddie refused to cancel any campaigns and would force the members of his club to seek out new substitutes to play if a member of the club was unable to attend on any particular evening. Eddie struggled in school, likely due to his eccentric personality rather than low intelligence, and was implied to have had bad grades in his class. In spite of this, Eddie was still determined to graduate by 1986. He had knowledge on drug use for which he was sought out for, but could be friendly enough to offer a discount. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, Eddie was also noted to harbor a dislike towards popular groups, which, I mean, why wouldn't he? Because I'm pretty sure they harbored an even deeper hatred for him. Uh, yeah. Such as the Hawken High School's basketball team and its captain, Jason Carver, who I pretty much refer to as the jock. I mean, he's the jock of the show. Despite this, Eddie was very kind towards Chrissy Cunningham, a popular cheerleader, and also Jason's girlfriend. Implying he was fundamentally a good-hearted person and was likely responding to the demonization of his favorite game. He was just trying to get in her panties, let's be honest. Probably. I mean, I, why wouldn't he? <laughs> Additionally, it's seen he was quick to frustration and irritation, but for the most part could get along with those outside of his immediate group of friends. He was shown to have a passion for music ever since he had begun playing the guitar, recognizing and making rock and metal references that others didn't understand, such as to Steve Harrington. His references are often used to figure out the situations around him. Eddie expresses his passion through his style and realm. I'm not going to continue with this because it's going to go into talking what we're going to go talk about. So do we want to just get into it and roll right into the episodes? Yeah. All right. I broke it down. Episode by episode, um, we first meet Eddie in the Hellfire Club. Now, I didn't get the episode number. I mean, I could. I think it starts episode 26 and goes up. You can kind of figure it out on your own. But this is kind of where we kind of hear hear about Eddie. We don't kind of get his full character yet in this episode. And please correct me, Reverend, if I'm wrong. 
Um, but this is pretty much where they are. The gang is kind of preparing for the D&D campaign. It's the one that Lucas can't attend because of the basketball game, the big basketball game that's going to kind of get him in with the jocks and make him, quotation mark, popular. Um, and because of this particular game and Lucas not being able to be there to complete this campaign, the rest of the gang, like Dustin and whatnot, they are actually afraid to tell Eddie. They're, they're like physically scared, or so they look physically scared. Well, you could say he's they, a little eccentric. Do you want to elaborate? He is. He's an eccentric dude. He's an over-the-top guy. Yes. But they but they know that he's very, very particular about his Dungeons & Dragons sessions, and they, 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 they make him out as intimidating before you ever see him because just the looks between the characters, the way that they speak about him, it's like, no, we can't piss off Eddie. We can't do this. We've got to find an alternative. Lucas has got to do this. Oh, yeah. And, and then, you know. It's like he's the ringleader and they're his minions. And they're, like, going around doing his bidding. But, they, yeah, they seem really, really scared. They're like, oh, my God, we got to make this happen. It was almost like Eddie's – it was almost like Eddie was the cool guy to them because everybody has their own idea of what the cool person is. And they didn't want to let him get down because they didn't want to, like, get kicked out of the gang or whatnot, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a vibe of that, and also just a vibe that he was, you know, super controlling and that, you know, if, if they came there without any, you know – any alternative to, you know, this or any solution to it that, that he was just going to basically ream them over it. So oh, yeah. there, there was that setup. Um, it was because of this kind of first, I don't know, in, interpretation of him. I immediately did not like him. I was like, oh, fuck, here we are dealing with this fucking loser. <laughs> what? Oh, absolutely. I like this character from the start. I, I'm sure you did. <laughs> like, you know what the thing is, looking back now as an adult on high school and kids that, that did stuff like that. I always thought it was stupid, but now that I'm older, it takes a lot of imagination to build a and d run for uh, a dungeon, like if you're building yourself. So it, there's a lot of imagination that goes into making it an experience. And like as an adult, and ex I, I find imagination or anybody that uses an imagination makes something like that. It's fascinating to me. That's impressive. Yeah. And I, I like how they took that character and they gave you more of that side of it with it. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Um, it was also in this episode of the Hellfire Club, we kind of get the <laughs> excuse me, the interaction between Chrissy and Eddie, which was kind of funny because you can tell she's fucking on edge. She is seeing some fucking shit and they did not go light. Like they show you immediately what this girl's going through. Which is nice. They Which get gets, straight. you know what gets me though is okay, she's seeing shit. Okay, I'll, that's fine. But then she's looking for special K. Like if you take ketamine, you're gonna see some shit. <laughs> she doesn't know that though. She's very inexperienced with drugs. I know, but I'm just saying though. Yeah. She's take, she's gonna be she's seeking the same substance where you're substance where you're gonna see the most over the top stuff. And they don't really go into why she's seeking that in particular. But don't you think that as her dealer, Eddie? kind of should have known, hey, you probably shouldn't go this route. Dealers don't ask questions. They just give you to the supply. Okay. I don't think he actually asked her what she was, what was going on with yeah, her. Yeah, he didn't. She, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, what but he had... you're, you're, missing, you're missing a beat, though. you got to back up a second. What am I When we're first introduced to Eddie in person in the, in the cafeteria, mm -hmm. that is one of the best scenes of, of his character in the whole series. And that's what sold me on him because you got this guy that's sitting there and he looks all intimidating right from the start. We've already got it built up 
and he's you know and then he's sitting there and he's just and he and he starts off by reading the the satanic panic that's in the <laughs> which you know that's in the newspaper and and he's railing off it's like you know dungeons and dragons and all this you know and and just the way that he's reading it and how sarcastic he is and then he gets up and and he you know does the devil horns off the side of his face which is a you know a meme that's everywhere now yeah and he and, and, you know, tongue stuck out and all that. He sold me instantly on that because the reason I fell in love with the character right from that moment is that my buddies that I played D&D with were the guys that introduced me to every single song that Eddie listened to. They were the, the uh, Metallica guys. They were the, you know, Iron Maiden, you know, all of those. That was my friends in high school that introduced me. I was Dustin, and they were Eddie. That's basically <laughs> how it was for me. <laughs> Oh my God! And I was the uh, I was the Hispanic Catholic girl in the corner, staying away from that because I was told that was the devil. Wow! <laughs> yeah, I was even more... in the late. Go ahead. Even in the late nineties, we were getting that shit about how it was satanic. Like whenever people oh, would yeah. find out that we played that, they were like, oh, "Yeah, I can't believe you worship the devil." And we're like, "It's not devil worship. We don't even like it. Has nothing to do with that." Well, technically, the Church of Satan doesn't worship the devil, but you know. Image is everything. Perception is reality. So, you know, that being said, though, I'm glad you did bring that up because that does pretty much set up this particular portion of the season because it was broken up in two parts. So this is season four, but it's like part two. And this really was the satanic panic. I mean, and it was the time era, too, that it really... Satanic panic has happened throughout the centuries. I mean, it happens all the time. We, shit, we had one during fucking... <laughs> I feel like we had one during a specific presidency, you know? It just... <laughs> yeah, it presents a version it, of it, yeah. Yeah, it presents itself <laughs> differently. What is a satanic person? Well, this is bad, and everybody should hate it, and we're all going to get our torches and pitchforks, and we're going to rally. So, and unfortunately, we haven't made it out of that quite yet in this, you know, in the real world. But here we are in the 1980s, and that's for whatever reason. When you mention the Satanic Panic, or even when you Google it, you're gonna get the 80s. So this kind of works out really well with this season and in the timeline that we're in. It was the 90s too. It was all against. It wasn't Satanic, but they were all against rap. I'm telling you, well, that's why I said satanic panic presents itself in different ways. It's yeah. we need to hate this, everybody, this is bad, this is the devil, blah, blah, blah. Which, um, which by the way, this was taking place in March of 1986. The whole like season takes yes, place in that time period. Specifically. It's, it's kind of relevant to some trivia later on. But okay, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I don't know why. So I'm hoping that you're going to explain that because I didn't pick that up. I mean, I knew it was in March, but everything in Stranger Things – all the way down to something that's sitting on a desk apparently has relevance in throughout the whole show in every season. All I'm going to say is that 80s was the best time. Just unde undoubtable. You had the combination of minimal electronics, but en enough where you can kind of get into an adventure. And the music was awesome. It still holds up. Yes. Not even just the, the music, the culture, the, yeah, the movies, all of that. Yeah, um, I, I, anytime they make a movie that, like, good slasher movies, like now they'll reduce slasher movies and they'll set them in the 80s and they work perfect. That's it's they it's a it's an amazing time frame to structure a horror movie around because you can do a lot with it. It's the epitome of technology before technology made like serial killers and all that almost impossible, basically, because of the fact that they can track you so many ways now that, you know, you have to do so many workarounds 
for you know to explain it away it's like why is this guy why, why is he killed three people was he not tracked at every friggin' stoplight camera that was you know along the way or whatever it was yeah. um i want to throw out one more thing about uh the eddie scene in the cafeteria though that because it's relevant later on he does he's got that intimidating thing at first and then he goes around to all the tables and basically calls out all the clicks including the jocks which is something that sets up a you know an antagonistic relationship between him and the the head jock later on but also that's whenever he leans in between uh mike and dustin and he tells them he's like you are my picks to head up the hellfire club after i'm gone like you know yeah and then he sets up the fact that he is on the verge of graduation which is Sadly, anytime somebody says something in a movie or anything, it's like I'm this close to retirement or this close to graduation, that they might not make it. You know, so there was that kind of foreshadowing part to it. Yeah, in perspective, (laughs) yes, definitely. Um, so there was a lot of setup in that one scene is what I'm trying to say. They set up a lot of different relationships. It's funny because it happens so fast, too. The, the, and, and, the scene itself. But to me, it's the one scene that stood out in that whole episode. Like everything else, well, outside of what happens toward the end, you know, between him and Chrissy and, and you know, the stuff and all that stuff. Like it's the one thing that I really remember yes. from that episode. Well, like this, the whole thing with Lucas and all that's kind of, I don't know. It, it is what it is. This whole episode was the setup for the beginning, beginning of the end because there was a few more things that I'm going to discuss that really kind of play out. So we'll go, we'll, we'll talk about it as we get there. Um, briefly, the Chrissy and the Eddie interaction, um, as my husband said, he was just trying to get into her cheerleading skirt. I, that's what I kind of thought. I mean, it, it did show his, he, he did genuinely look like he was concerned and they did have a good interaction in terms of they both kind of softened up where she was like, oh my God, like I do remember you. And they kind of reminisce real quick. They have like a, a, a quick moment where they kind of both let go of each personality a little bit and show just a certain side of, you know, who they are, a good side of themselves. Um, it gives you a bit of empathy for Eddie at yes. that scene, too. You can tell he's kind-hearted because he actually feels for somebody else. That Even though he's the outsider who doesn't care, he does care, you know? Yes, does. Um, which uh, I want to also point out that he was offering her, offering her weed originally, she wanted to go something a little higher. Uh, he, I, he didn't know it, but he was offering her probably the better alternative <laughs> to calm her the fuck down. <laughs> yeah, that would have been better than what she wanted. So um, there's one thing that'll work into some trivia later on in that scene too. Okay, uh, when he's talking about when they first met, uh, he mentioned the fact that she wouldn't have recognized him because his hair was different. He he carried a buzz cut back whenever he met her in middle school. Uh-huh. And she mentioned something to him saying that I don't really remember you before that time. And that kind of feeds into some trivia later or some fan theories later on. But okay. we'll cover that later. All right. Um, I'm going to move on. Still in the same episode, they had the Dungeons and Dragons scene. <laughs> I love that scene. I mean... <laughs> It's for me because I don't, uh, if I'm being honest, I don't fully understand Dungeons and Dragons. I don't think it's not cool and I don't think it's stupid or anything. I just don't understand it. I think that there's a lot of, for me, I feel like there's a lot that goes into it. And I don't know that I would have what it would take to be able to hold something like that up. But well, if you think about Dungeons and Dragons, they're the first core, first hardcore <clears throat> um, gamers. 
Yeah. If you take that view. So before quest games and RPGs really hit the scene and, and changed the entire structure with like Final Fantasy 1, like there wasn't really a way to get that involvement and other than doing like a D&D type of setup. Yeah. So they're like the first original gamers. And being a gamer, I can 100% understand like getting ramped up about something like that. To me, it's easy to, to bridge that, like to get yeah. that amped up over it. So the best way to describe it for anybody who doesn't know about D&D, so basically take a, t- take a computer RPG that you've played, like say, I don't know, Fallout, Skyrim, anything like that. Uh, you know, there's a quest giver that basically gives you, you know, what you're going to be going to do. Like, you know, there's a cave somewhere that's got an item. I want you to fetch it. The DM is the one that's portraying the NPCs, the characters, the the enemies and all that. They've got like data, they've got like dice rolls and all this that uh, for what the character can do, which the computer game emulates now. And the they have a map usually that they've pre-designed so that when you enter the dungeon area basically, you as you're going through, you can actually make your own map based upon what the, you know, the DM's telling you. It's like you go left, the room is this and they give you like the, you know, uh, the metrics for like how big it is, you know, and all that and what's inside. And, um, if there's any traps and all that, they, they've got that all mapped out. So basically they are running an analog version of a computer RPG is what, what D and D is like, even down to the, like the, the roles themselves. I mean, and how far away from the enemy you are and, you know, if you can hit based upon, you know, a natural 20, which is shown in the show always hits regardless of, you know, whether you can do it or not. Whereas a natural one always misses, even if you are automatically going to hit just because you're such a high level character. So that's what they were simulating with the episode, especially if I remember right in this part, that's where Erica has been subbed in in for Lucas. And they're doing that nice little parallel where he's going and playing the the basketball game. She's playing D&D. They're both kind of, they both have their hero moments where she rolls the natural 20. He, you know, throws the ball. It's like the, you know, the, you know, the, the, goal and it's and but that's the D equivalent you know so yeah and this um, um that so basically whole s- the dm oh go ahead uh, that that's what i was just gonna say the dm is or eddie's role was just to facilitate you know like all the other things that like the the computer would do nowadays that's, yes. that's what it and then the characters using their imagination come up with solutions like you know that may maybe are like off the grid and you know it's up to them to decide whether they want to do it like you know if dustin was to say well i'm going to try to like slide behind vecna and like stab him in the back then you know eddie can say okay well i give you a chance of doing this just roll it and see you know and like you know that that kind of thing so they they can kind of work outside the parameters of if this then that you know they can kind of to make the story better for the the players yeah it's basically a more open-ended version of a game or you have more yeah. variables that you can introduce into it. It's also a map for the whole season. I mean, well, Stranger <laughs> Things in general has a lot of D&D in it. But this episode and that scene pretty much set up what kind of happens. So, you know, it'd be awesome. It, it, like if you did like a and d you could you could pre-make a map and act like it's hidden in one of the chests in the dungeon. And if you find the chest, then you can hand over the map to the team. You, so you can, yeah. do, you can do a lot of cool stuff like that. Which there's there's a lot of cool things like that. She is right 100% that it was a total the Duffer brothers hid the entire season narrative within that one, you know, scene of D&D. And another thing that works in the trivia later on is whenever Eddie announces Vecna has returned and surprises everybody. 
the character, the players all look at him and say, I thought Kaz destroyed him already, which is going to work in one of the fan theories later yes, on. That we'll cover, talk so. about that for sure. <laughs> um, and then if I'm jumping ahead a little bit, a few episodes, but when you guys are talking about creating a map, Nancy was the map master. It's like everyone played. It's like they all played D&D, but they didn't. They weren't like in the campaign. They were playing a real life campaign. Well, you got to remember the whole idea of D&D, your living fantasy. But yes. it operates in the realm of reality, the way yes. it's structured. So if you can take the mechanics of what D&D is and you understand it's just real life. So it's like it, you can transplant it on the things. Yeah. That's the whole thing about role playing. It, it's to expand your understanding. Like one of the reasons I can read a map really good is all the goddamn RPGs I played growing up. Where you had to read a map. Like, I always laugh. Like, my wife can't read a map. Like, I'm so... I don't know if it's just so many years of playing them that you get adept at reading maps. I only read a map if I have to, but I prefer not to read you maps. You prefer your map talks to you. I do, when I'm driving. I, I, I did, so like, I'll look at the map in no, advance, and I know like, where to go. I, I, I know. I'm not going to read a map while I'm fucking driving. You don't have to. You just read it. the map. I don't have to. Go. She'll talk to me and tell me where to go. Yeah, and then when she doesn't, <laughs> you freak out. That doesn't happen. Okay, yeah, it does. So, okay, D&D scene, we see them kind of be successful in their scene. We see Lucas successful in his baseball game. This leads to the end of the night where Chrissy... The cheerleader goes to Lucas's place to go get her special K, and, and Eddie. Eddie, excuse me. Um, yeah. And th- this this is th- this is the scene. <laughs> they did not hold back. It fucking happened right away. Stranger Things doesn't like they don't they don't wait. They just they just have it happen. Um, this. This is the scene that's drew the biggest Nightmare on Elm Street vibes of, you know, probably the entire, I mean, the entire run of this season, but especially, like, that's what got people talking. It's like, oh, shit, they actually went back to the horror element and did it right this oh time. Oh, my God, yes. And not only that, it looked good. Like, yeah. the whole, okay, we got Chrissy, basically what we have here is Chrissy trying to get drugs. She, uh, Vecna's coming after her, and you know when Vecna's coming, because you're going to hear that, uh, you're going to hear that clock going off, you're going to hear the TikTok, her time is up. Uh, she Which, goes speaking and, of that, I don't know if you heard this, but there's rumors that that TikTok is, that, that clock sound is heard all the way back in season one. The Duffer Brothers set that up in the first season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised because I have been rewatching season one. I was watching a little bit of yesterday with a friend and there was so many fucking references that I was catching that I saw in season three that was already pre-set up in season one. And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And it, like having watched all the episodes and now going back and rewatching it, you're like, holy shit, they've been fucking mapping this shit out since episode one. They don't just leave. Like, I mean, if they put something out there, it comes back later. I mean, oh, yeah. they, if, if, if there's something, which leads into some theories, you know, well, the fan theories for sure, but also some theories that I have about like where the, how the season might, or it, you know, how the show might resolve because there's a big thing they introduced in this season, which doesn't really portray to Eddie. And I'm just like, they wouldn't have just dropped that for no reason, but we'll, we'll get to that <laughs> a little bit later on. Um, so we're, we're at the point where Chrissy's in her little trance and Vecna's basically coming after her. Uh, we got the inf- the now infamous and the TikTok famous Chrissy wake up scene. 
I was wondering if you could bring that up. That Chrissy, wake up! Oh my god, I hate that song. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to clip it somewhere in here and try to get it, <laughs> just fit it into the episode because yeah, um, we got the him screaming, "Chrissy, wake up!" And somebody on TikTok decided to get on the you know electric piano, add a little tune, and auto tune Eddie as well, and turn it into a song. I- I think it. I think it was one of those guys that did the Schmoyo like uh, uh, YouTube channel or whatever that they used to, where they did the guy who was the Antoine guy from Florida who said they're raping everybody out oh, here. Oh yeah. And then they took hide your kids. The, you know, hide your wife. Because they're raping everybody. Hide your out kids. Here. Hide your wife. Um, <laughs> and this was the epic scene. I think I was stuck after this scene because I don't. I don't typically binge watch unless there's a lot of fucking episodes to watch and in this case there was only a few episodes of you know the rest of season four but i was like fuck i gotta keep watching this but this is the scene where uh basically chrissy is levitated um she's being raptured in my opinion <laughs> and it's, we it's, see it looks like a really bad yeah it really looks like that so. <laughs> and she is basically <laughs> Every bone in her body is getting broken, and it looks so fucking awesome. It looks her face is twisted, much like the ring, which we'll be reviewing here right after this. <laughs> it, it looked horrific. What do you guys think? I I thought I did, you did a good job. Of, go for it, man. I, I loved it. The only thing that that kind of threw me was the the eyes are the eye effect is a little too CG CGI, yeah. but but it worked. Like the the, the hollow sockets after you yeah. know sold it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hollow sockets for sure, especially when you kind of see how Vecna operates that hands on. So that's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, what, we, what was Noah going to say? Oh yeah, <laughs> about I was just going to say yeah, it, it it that scene really brought home the horror feel to the show for the season. To me, 100%. that thing where they can reach out with nobody there and do that, it, it brings that visceral horror to the equation. Like your life uh, is threatened, but you don't know what extent. And, and I mean, it's got heavy parallels to, you know, Freddy, you know, Freddy Krueger, because, I mean, you see this person who's sleepwalking, basically, and, you know, all of a sudden they're dying in their dream, but whatever's happening in their dream is happening in real life. You know, it, that that's heavily from that, you know, series. And then somebody which, witnessing uh, it from the are, outside and not knowing exactly why it's happening. Um, it's got a lot of people calling for the Duffer Brothers to do a movie with uh, Freddie or with, you know, um, oh, why am I blanking on his name? Freddy Krueger's actor uh, to do, you know, to actually make another Nightmare on M Street movie, you know, like a, like yeah. a legit, like, final movie with him. Well, it was uh, funny England, that they, because the they brung Robert England on the season. So that made me laugh. They did, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about Robert England doing another Freddy movie because the guy they got to do the new Freddy movie did hell good, I thought. He was good, but a lot of people just are sticklers for the yeah old, like, the original the Robert nostalgia. England. Yeah, I mean, I get it. He's he's a fucking cult classic. Okay, we get it. You know. Yeah, but th- <laughs> the guy they brought in did an awesome job. He's a good actor. He did awesome on Watchmen and like he, he, they just uh, they didn't utilize him right. Jackie Earl Haley was misused in that for sure. I mean that it was the script more than it was him. 
Yeah, I I I thought the new Freddy Krueger movie was actually pretty good. Um, to end the Hellfire Club, we see something that is going to be referenced a few times in this show or this season. Um, Max is out feeding her dog. This is a little redheaded girl, Wendy's, if you will. And uh, she sees Eddie flee in terror. She doesn't know why. She just sees him flee the trailer in terror. And that brings that episode to a close. So um, next episode, I'm going to move right on. We are at Vecna's Curse. Um, Eddie, he's not really becoming public enemy number one, but people are starting to get suspicious of him immediately. Um the gang, and when I say the gang, I'm talking about the the standard kids of Stranger Things. They're skeptical that he could have done something so horrific. Um, but then we have Jason, the typical jock, basically rallying um, against the different kid, if you will. And he is kind of bringing on the beginnings of a satanic panic by he's spreading the poison through just his friends when they're at, what is it, at Benny's Burgers? Yeah. Some yeah. shut down. Uh, the only yeah, thing so I can think of when every time that guy, every time there was a scene with the jock guy, all I could think is my dad totally owns a dealership. Yeah. <laughs> my dad's a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. That's all. Like I was watching this guy. I was like, oh my God, I hate this guy. And there's, there's two, there, there's two things about that too. Um, and that, that, that episode that the start out with, it's like the, there was the characters, um, that were uh, that were friends with Dustin. Dustin was automatically on the side of they, you know, he couldn't have done it. Yeah. But then the other ones were like skeptic about it. I think they were skeptic, not the fact that they necessarily believed Eddie did it, but they didn't want to believe that the upside down was still a threat. Oh, one hundred percent. It had to be anything but that. Yeah. Um, and then um, and then there was I mean, and then Lucas was on the fence because he, I mean his whole thing was is he was still trying to get in with the jock and all them, so he had to. You know, he he was on the side of well, they think it's Eddie, so I'm going to stick with them. So there was that kind of friction at that point. A lot of fucking choices being made. A lot of life choices in this this episode alone, let alone the season that kids have to fucking make every day in high school. You know, the only choices that weren't made that were good is why in the hell was that one goofy kid, the one that lives in California, even in I hate that character. Ah, ah, ah. Uh, we're not talking about that. We're not getting into that. You, have to, you have to wait. You have to wait. That Just fucking character. Hang tight. We're, we're, we're going to get to something. So. Oh, God. So, okay. Uh, so, yeah, he's not quite public enemy number one yet. Uh, he's kind of, people are kind of noticing. Uh, I don't know. You got people that are skeptical for a lot of different things. But definitely the jock is like, he kind of gets some information and he's like, whoa, wait a second. You know, this guy or it happened in his fucking trailer. So immediately he's suspicious. Um, and then he's, he's also the real question is, why too. is your girlfriend hanging out in a trailer park with a dirt bag? Because yeah, obviously Eddie forced her against her will. She would never willingly do that. She's an innocent bystander. She was sucking him off while she was doing drugs. <laughs> she was sucking the drugs <laughs> off of him. She got stuck with a satanic panic. Oh, my God. That's what I was getting ready to say. He's kind of got the cuck syndrome going on because he is he's pissed off because he thinks it's deep down. He thinks his girlfriend was like shacking up with Eddie is what he Oh, thinks. yeah. That's, like, that's I mean, the impression he, he I got. Admit it, but. She probably was. <laughs> And quit freaking out, dude. What are you worried about? I'm being <laughs> that, insecure. That's the part that made me laugh. It's like, it's like somewhere in the back of his head, this knowing guys, it's like, why was she over there? He had to be questioning <laughs> that. Which kind of reminds me, 
this was the 1986. I don't know were cheerleader cheerleading skirts that short back then at that point because oh yeah they there was a quite a they started at the fucking calves and then they slowly made themselves up and now they're pretty much non-existent. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't realize that they were that short yet. Like I thought they were just a little bit above. Hey. Like mid, it probably depended upon where you was from. I, I feel like if you were a little bit farther or deeper south than like Indiana, they probably started getting longer just because you know there was a reason Footloose was a movie even back in the eighties with the, the whole religious you can't even dance or whatever the fuck that movie was about. You oh know, my God. Um, okay, so Eddie kind of uh, you know what they should do? They should do a horror movie Footloose. <laughs> There's got to be a way to write that. Maybe. Let's not put that information out. Let's keep that to ourselves. Maybe we could be the ones to do that. We know people in the industry. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so Eddie uh, Eddie makes his way to Rick's cabin, which is a fucking well-known, like, he's, like, the guy who, I want to say he's the guy who gets the drugs. He's yeah, the main. Yeah, he's, everybody knows he's the guy who's the, like the main dealer in town. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of the, and the this is where Eddie chooses to hide out and actually does pretty well for a while for a few episodes, which is funny because if Eddie is well known for kind of dealing drugs, then they're gonna maybe be suspicious that he sneak snuck away to this cabin, but maybe not, whatever. I, I digress. Um, he makes it away. He makes his way to Rick's cabin and the gang finds him there because they're able to put two and two together. And <laughs> he's reluctant to tell them his story because he thinks that they're not going to believe him. And obviously they're clearly like, well, dude, fucking try us. Like, we've seen some shit. <laughs> but the way he tells this story is so fucking realistic. This is where I start kind of turning to, oh, my God, this guy is not the fucking dweeb that I have made him out to be. He's not the loser wannabe popular guy. Just because he's playing D and D that's the impression you had about him. I did not say I had anything to do with D and D it was that typical <laughs> rocker look that some kids have that don't even do anything useful like play D and D. So anyways, these are my I opinions. Just, I, I just, I feel like it, it did add an extra layer to him at that point because it's, it goes beyond just the empathy head for Chrissy. It's mm -hmm. like you, you actually see, a little bit more like you, you, you see some, the character arc begins there because of the cowardly part of him yes. that is brought forward in that, in that scene. And it's like, it's something he knows is a problem with his own self, but like, you know, but it's something he can't overcome. It's just like, I, you know, I had, I had to run. What else was I going to do? You know? Well, and it kind of brings forth the back, the typical character like this in most stories is going to embrace that. Oh, the fucking darkness is coming. Hail Lucifer and blah, blah, blah. And he is not doing that. He is legitimately scared. He's not yeah. this typical. He He's a person that likes these things that he thinks are cool, but he's not the devil himself. He's not embracing the dark side, anything like that. So it starts kind of pointing that out where, as I feel like in other I don't know. I can't. I don't have any good examples, but I feel like in other movies you'll kind of just see, oh yeah, dude, fucking the devil's coming, yeah. You know, it was not I, like that. I feel like you just described Little Nicky like <laughs> side plot with the two rocker guys. They're like, yes, Satan, dude. There you go. The whole fucking time. <laughs> no, Eddie, Eddie was not that character. No, he he was his own person. 
So is is this the scene where they describe to him about what they've already seen, or is that like a little bit later on? I can't I, remember at this point. I can't remember point. either. I'm gonna be honest with you, but honestly, they I feel like that might have been a little bit later, like at Lover's Rock or something, like when he when that he is, has to escape. That that skull the skull rock is yeah. where and then they they tell him what actually is going on and then he's like, you know, okay, yeah. Yeah. So um in this particular episode, I don't know if you have anything else to throw out in this Vecna's curse. I wanted to just throw out a special shout out to Eleven for busting Angela's face in this fucking episode. <laughs> I was freaked out by that scene just because the way they filmed it, it looked like there was a crack in her skull. I don't know if that's what was supposed to be symbolized, but it didn't look just like a drop of blood. It looked like a little crack had formed in her her head, like from that from how hard she was hit. Maybe yeah, that, and that is, is a little, yeah that is a lot of force. <laughs> it's fucking Eleven. <laughs> okay i know she's not supposed to have her powers but look at and and of course it was a total carry scene you know like i mean you know the psychic has been pissed off you know pissed off by the you know the the popular kids who'd set her up during like this big event in front of everybody i mean oh, yeah. clearly the the carry influence i mean, gonna love you. It, it, gonna love you women we're we're <laughs> small and we're weak and we don't have the power that guys have but if just the right thing throws us off we will fucking go psycho and you have just enough power to bust somebody's face in. We dream about it. I, it's like, you know, but it has to be the I right thing. You, I hate to ask you this, but did you enjoy that scene just because it reminded you of a chancla being thrown at somebody's <laughs> face? Is that, is that what it was? <laughs> no, a chancla is a lot more gentle than that. I mean, it gets the point across, <laughs> but a skate now i mean i'd have to start practicing but i don't know that i could get my skate throwing skills that accurate you know a chunk um, what the hell <laughs> <laughs> anything else on vecna's curse um is this the episode that ends with the other uh or is it the next episode where the other student shows up who's also having the dreams and he gets taken while on the boat or whatever uh is no that, that that's is, coming up that's okay, coming okay. up actually yeah, in then. two episodes, I think. Yeah. That's coming up. Okay. Somebody else dies before he does. Well, because if we're being quite frank, the next. Yeah, that kid does in the road. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the next two episodes really is just Eddie hiding. I mean, we got the next episode is the monster and the superhero. Um, and they're kind of more descriptive for Eleven. Um, so they're not going to make a lot of sense in terms of Eddie. But, I mean, Monster and the Superhero, we got Eddie hiding. Uh, the jock is kind of gathering his torches and pitchforks. Basically, well, he hasn't had the town hall meeting yet. And the kids are kind of plotting their attack on Vecna. I kept it simple with this one. It's kind of... Everything leads up, so it's not stupid. It's not episodes that you should miss, and it's not... And I'm missing a lot of fucking detail. But... It's kind of the same two things in terms of what's going on with Eddie. In every episode, there is so much more going on in terms of what's Steve doing, what's Eleven doing, what's, you know. Uh, that and Hopper in Russia. Yeah. You know, him and Joyce. And, and yeah, Hot Winona. Threads. You know, what, what, <laughs> what's going on? So there's a lot going on. So these are just small tidbits. We're only talking about Eddie. Um, so you're going to kind of see a lot of him hiding trying to figure out everyone kind of trying to piece together what they're going to do. 
Um, There's the comedy relief of him hiding and them having to smuggle him food and yes. you know that. But you know. yeah, so it's kind of basic. The Nina Project is kind of the same thing, um, but this is the episode where okay, Eddie kind of gets found by the jock. So he's hiding. He gets figured out. They find him at the at the house, you know, uh, the lake house or whatever. He's trying. Eddie does try to escape in this episode. He is chased by the jock and. Vecna kills one of the jock's teammates right in front of Eddie and, 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 and the jock like, and in front of the jock. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and yet this jock is still convinced that well, somehow the jock thinks that he's made a pact with a devil yes. completely at this point, And that that's, he used his satanic powers to cause everything that happened in front of him. Yes. Which, um, I did not like the, them. I did not like Eddie being in the water. I did not like this, Lake business, it gave me a lot of uh, Jason Voorhees vibes. I don't know. I was uncomfortable. That was probably intentional. Intentional, yeah. So, anywho. I mean, they had the Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, so a little bit of Friday the 13th thrown in there. You know, that that fits. Which I think it's fucked up. I forget what lake it is, and I forget what state it is in, but there's this fucking lake that has a statue of Jason Voorhees in it. Yeah, they got the chains and everything. That's fucked up. (laughs) Like the pictures of it like on the dock. No, in the water. So no, you jump in the, in the in water, the water right underneath you, where he would have been thrown, locked under. I can't remember. I think it was in part six or something like that. Yeah, it's fucking um, realistic looking. Six? I thought that was like three or four. No, he was he was outright killed in four. Five wasn't him, and then in six he's brought back as a zombie. And the only way they get rid of him at the end of it is to chain him to a rock. It's either, or no, it's maybe seven because it's the psychic girl that does it. She changed him to a rock. It's nah, uh, underneath the no, water, no, no. and then that's you're, where he's at when and eight. You're wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. Which which ones? Jason takes Manhattan. That's six, right? No, that's eight. Is it? Yeah. Maybe okay. Anyways. So yes, I gotta rewatch it now. That was a that was a tangent. Um, okay, <laughs> speaking of water, anything else about the episode where uh, where we see the jock witnesses somebody get killed in the air by Vecna, which was also fucking awesome. This one was, I don't know about you guys. Okay, so I don't think. Oh God, I might have skipped where the kid dies um, over at by Eddie's house when. Um, when Nancy was doing investigation and trying to that, figure things out. And that's the other link that they're tying to Eddie because it's, it's yes. very close to his house. The kid disappears like near there and like, oh, and he's off in the woods and then they find him down the road somewhere. So that they kind of pin it on him too. See, huh. I, I thought they missed a good opportunity to change the entire structure when the, the jock saw the other guy die. Like instead of him thinking that it was Eddie, he could have been like, Holy crap, it wasn't Eddie. Yeah. I was thinking that too, but it happened the way it happened for whatever reason. They, they had the opportunity, but also you got to remember, they are heavy in the Stephen King, the Duffer Brothers, as far as inspiration. And Stephen King always has an evangelical religious nut job who refuses yeah. to believe anything they see is, is anything but God or Satan. It's one of the two. And so this guy was the, the representation of, of that character. And like, as soon as he saw that, he's like, oh, it's it's the devil. It, it, Eddie's an agent of the devil. Yeah, but so. they never really portrayed the jock guy as an over-the-top evangelical dude. Not really, but he has his... If they would have showed more things of him being in the church and all this other crazy stuff... Okay, I'll get into could, that at the next episode. Have, but, 
Yeah, because they, they could have, but he's also kind of a stand-in for like the just the regular, you know, uh, hometown hero who's like into every, you know, like I mean, he the everything good, you know, apple pie, you know, church, you know, that sort of thing. Like he, you know, he didn't stray from any of that stuff. So, yeah, but then how did his girlfriend hide smoking weed? I. Okay, we I don't have like, all the answers. Okay? Hey, I'm just asking some questions because well, when you smoke she, weed, it gets on everything. Though, she didn't. Did she smoke weed though? She didn't ask Eddie for weed. Uh, I thought he was giving her weed no. prior. Well, he, he was she going went to, to but him. She yeah. didn't want that. Oh. <laughs> okay, yeah. so at and that it's time, never implied that she's actually done anything yet. She's just seen shit. It was her shit, first time and looking she's, for drugs to help her out. Notice she doesn't know what the fuck she's asking about. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Anywho, so yeah, um, I feel like in terms of the deaths, we've seen the cheerleader die. We've seen the nerdy white kid die. Now we've seen a jock die. And I feel like the jock one was a little too much CGI, but whatever. I mean, it, was, it still it was more good. so than than Chrissy because Chrissy they kind of cut away a little bit to kind of offset it. But yeah, like him they they it was like a pullback scene because they had to show both Eddie and the jock scene yeah. at the same time. So okay, well that makes sense. Well, not only that too, but if you're doing if you're doing it during during the day, you're gonna have to be more detailed. At night, you can get away with not having your CGI super crisp. I, f- I feel like it was at night though, wasn't it? Like I, uh, in my mind, it was a nighttime scene. I, I could be wrong about that, but um, I didn't think it was a nighttime it, scene. It was. I know the nerdy. Oh, it was. Never mind. Night. Never mind. Yeah. We're talking yeah. about, okay. Um, we move on to the next episode, which is called The Dive. And this is, Eddie is officially public enemy number one in this one. You got the police announcing him as a suspect. You got the jock that goes to the town hall meeting to discuss how God has spoken to him. And he has to get everyone to fight the satanic panic. Literally, I believe he, I don't know that he uses the term satanic panic. I thought he did, though. He, he might as well say that. I yeah. Mean, it was everything but the words. Um, this is also the episode where Eddie finds a stolen walkie and pretty much asks the gang to kind of meet him in the woods. And I think this is where we discuss where the kind of story starts coming together. They literally start piecing all of their information together. Um, I think Nancy kind of realizes, I'm not sure if it was Nancy, but um, uh, on Dustin's broken watch, uh, it was the same time. That is on Vecna's clock because I don't know. Well, later on in this, she kind of has a, a a situation, which is this is not about her, but uh, she gets to meet Vecna herself. Um, they kind of discuss and how she there's starts her period. Probably, yeah. Um, we also dis- <laughs> they also discuss how there's mini gates. How the demi gorgons previously had kind of mini gates, so they start kind of talking about where these gates could be. Um, they figure out that one of the gates is in the fucking creepy ass water. And that is how they're going to get to the Upside Down. And they do successfully make it to the Upside Down. Uh, Eddie is one of the last characters to go, which I felt. Go ahead. I was just going to say that plays into his cowardice again. That's another like rung on the ladder because he even says it later. He's like, both of those women jumped in before me. Yeah. It's like, you know, that's another like knock against him as far as like his bravery at that point. Oh, yeah. I mean, one was chasing Steve. The other was like, fuck. And he's like, Ugh. but he also, no matter what, he was fucked. Either he goes down there or he stays and he's going to get arrested for the murder of three people right. at this point. He's yep. fucked no matter which world he's in. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, I mean, 
You think he's starting to show bravery because he could have just been a coward and had the police take him. Now he's he, yeah. It's it's a it's it's kind of the turning point because like he he it, he it's where he really realizes how much of a coward he was by uh, like you know letting both of the women go before him. Yeah, which, you know with. I mean, it was the eighties. I mean, you know, it was still like, you know, guys, you know, you know, should, should be the brave ones, you know, in the situations like that. Yeah. Well, but, he, um, he, he fell know. into the whole arc where, you know, the whole thing about bravery isn't being brave. It's being thrust into it. And that's kind of what happened well, to him. That, he was, it was forced upon him. That's the, that's the other thing. It's like bravery doesn't mean that you remove fear. It just means you, that you act when, when you have to, even if you are scared and he does that. So it is like the first switch that he's making with regards to that. Did you just imply that he was raped by bravery? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes it's forced into you. Yeah. Non-consensual. <laughs> Thrusted into you. Take it and like it. Oh dear God. What was that? Is that my dog trying to break in? Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> he's a demi gorgon. He's trying to break into the, uh... your, your demo dog is yeah. trying to break in. He's irritating is what he is. <laughs> oh, leave him alone. Okay, next episode, we have the Massacre at Hawkins Lab. Again, nothing to do with Eddie's arc. Um, pretty cool episode overall, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it sets up a lot um, toward the end for I, the show. I broke this one down real simple, so any details you guys have to throw in. But the gang is stuck in the Upside Down and realizes that Eddie's trailer has a gate from where Chrissy's fucking corpse hit the top, so... I mean, there's really nothing to it. Again, we're just slowly but surely kind of making our way downtown, uh, walking fast, faces pass, and they're homebound, you know? I was waiting for you to say that. Thank you. Oh, so yeah. Uh, again, they're just fucking piecing shit together. Uh, anything to is, add? This is, is this the episode, though, where... They, it's like uh, Eddie and Steve share a moment together because I, if it's not, and it's the next episode, we can discuss it then. But that is a pivotal moment also for Eddie, I think. I'm so glad you said that because in the next episode, Papa, the only thing I mentioned was that this is kind of where Eddie and Dustin are having their their the, a major uh, bonding moment together. It seemed a little gay. It did. Come, it did come off a little gay. I'm not gonna lie. They had well, he, okay. They had the look in the eye. Let's back up because it is this episode. <laughs> what I'm talking about is that there's the there's the the interaction between Steve and Eddie. Yes. And Eddie has that great line to Steve, and he tells him he's like, you know, Harrington. He said, I thought you were always this rich douche who got all the women. You know, like could do nothing wrong. He's like, there's no way in the hell that you could be a nice guy, and you proved me wrong. He's like, you know, you go against everything that you know. Months and you know, uh, months and law has ever shown me in life. So Aww. it's like Steve is showing him that you can be, you know, like it, it is. It's like almost his like role model for what he becomes. At, yeah. At, at this point, and then Steve gets a little um, bashful over that too. It's and then little. he also tells Steve the whole thing about the, the first one that came in after you was Nancy. You know, he's like, she cares about you, dude. Like it, there's throwing that in there too. There, you know, he, he sets that whole triangle back up again, basically. Yeah. And she didn't really hesitate. So. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Anyways, uh, in here we have really this scene, this ep for Eddie and the gang, it's them, Preparing for battle. They basically go, they get their weapons, they get their arsenal, they get, they steal a fucking <laughs> trailer. You like, gotta love that scene where he, 
you gotta love that scene where he tells them and he's got like a way to or a, a potential idea for a, a vehicle that they can get and it's literally one of his neighbors like you know mobile home yeah <laughs> hot wires it and fucking i loved how when they fucking rip the fuck out of there there's still people just chilling on the front porch of their well not really porch it's their makeshift porch got a fucking blanket above their head shielding them from the sun and they're just chilling there and their fucking whole house is being stolen <laughs> i loved it i thought it was nice and a nice it, little comic relief and it shows a little bit more about Eddie. I mean, he's he knows how to hotwire a vehicle, so that, you know, yeah. for good or bad, that shows a little bit more about him. He's talented. Now, I didn't put anything down for the piggyback, which is the final episode in season four, because I kind of figured we would come up with our own, I don't know, we would kind of just discuss this. This is the end. It literally is. I mean, not the end of the show or anything, but this is where we it's come to the end of the, Eddie. Yeah, this is the most epic scene in anything that Stranger Things has ever done. Like, especially for metalheads, it looks like a scene straight off of a Ronnie James Dio cover. Like, I oh mean, yeah, like a, you know, record cover. It like, does I mean, look like Dio. It, you've got the red lightning in the background. You've got like the de- the the demon bats coming after them. I mean, it you know it, it's exactly what it was made to look like. Okay, but now that you've said what you've said, could this episode this this yeah episode have been just as epic with him playing Rainbow in the Dark? No. <laughs> okay, I asked. That was an honest question. <laughs> All right. It's. Thematically, he, it had to be Master of Puppets because it was, you know, a direct play into what Vecna was. Oh, you yeah. Know, like he was controlling everything. But was he? I don't think he was. Not in this scene. Not in that or not in this episode. I mean, I would say that Eddie ultimately became the puppet master, particularly. Kind of. I, yeah, you know and, what I wish they would have did? They would have explained more of what happened when one went to the the Underverse. Like, how do you how do you get the ability to control everything? Are you talking about Vecna? How did Vecna get? Well, it's some. That's one. I mean, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think that might be something they're going to show in the last season because, like, there's something else in the Upside Down besides Vecna, yes. and it gave him the powers for a reason. Yeah. So yeah, they, it it'd be kind of weird if they kind of skipped over that. But do the Duffer Brothers skip over anything? I yeah, mean, they bring it back eventually. They bring it back. Um, which, speaking of that, we've skipped over this, but. Something that I figure is going to figure in, or that I think is going to figure into the last season. Why does Nancy notice that time in the Upside Down has stopped, uh, and it's right whenever Will Byers disappeared? That has oh, to yeah. figure in somehow. Yeah, has to figure in. Well, and then she made too big of a point about it. Yeah, and not only that, but I mean, Will Byers starts having his fucking tingling again. His spider senses. Yeah, his spidey senses, if you will. I hate that character. So, I mean, they're gonna, they're, they 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 got to bring it around back downtown because, I mean, they, they, they got some splaining to do, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I, I just wonder if time manipulation comes into it because there's a reason the Upside Down has stopped progressing at the same rate that the, that the regular universe has. And that's I don't, true. I mean, there was the whole scene where they were in the Upside Down and they were in Nancy's room and she was like, I have a gun. And she's like, hey, guys, weird. My gun's not here, but I just don't think it exists yet. 
and she found her teddy bear, which she got rid of years ago. Yes. Like, I mean, it's a couple years behind. Uh, so, <clears throat> and then, and that's, and that leads into Eddie's whole thing because he, his guitar was where it used to be at, you know, versus, you know, like later on what he, what he had. So, yeah. I mean, um, so it's got to figure in. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, a lot to go on here, but basically we have Dustin and Eddie that pretty much are told guys, don't be heroes. They're pretty much just decoys. And I yeah. guess Steve is allegedly supposed to be the hero of this episode. I mean, not really. He was just off to kind of be the hero. The girls are off with their fucking weapons. They're going to go make shit happen. I like how, as a whole team, they had things that they were doing in phases. Yes. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, and they, and they, and they had to... Each thing had to be done sequentially for Vecna not to realize what was going on long enough for him to to basically burn him alive, which is what they were trying to do. Yeah, and I mean, is this something? Would you guys say the D and D experts here that this is something that is done during Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah, you want a multi tier attack. I mean, there's plenty of RPGs that duplicate scenarios like that where you have you have multiple front attacks. But it- perfect example, perfect example. Leroy Jenkins fucked <laughs> everything up. <laughs> they they went Leroy Jenkins. Planned. What the hell is he doing? They had everything planned. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, <laughs> you guys are dumb. Okay, so we have them put out their plan of attack. Uh, we have basically what Eddie is 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 doing here is they barricade his trailer in the underworld. They have their shields. They are basically trying to get the bats to kind of come after them so that everyone else can do what they need to do to get into the Freddy Krueger house where Vecna is in the attic. Yes. Do, doing yeah. doing whatever business he's doing, and they're jerking off probably. They, I don't know. They did a really good job because I felt like that the, the amount of fortification they did to that trailer was pretty good. Yeah. Like, I mean, they obviously figured out there was flaws, but I mean, they, they did a pretty good job of the initial like barric, you know, barricade. Yes. I just don't know why he stood behind and didn't follow the, the dude up the rope. Oh, the reason for that is what I researched online is that he knew that if he went up the rope, the bats would follow him out into the real world yeah. and attack not only Dustin, who he's trying to protect, but also everybody else, including his uncle and everybody in the town. Yeah, but you think they would have had a plan set up to cover it and barricade it? I don't think they anticipated them getting inside the trailer. They didn't realize those vents were open. That yeah. was the flaw in the whole thing. And he the, he did kind of look at that because he contemplated. He looked at the rope. He looked back, and he was like, I don't have enough time. Yeah, like, he, it, they had no way to seal off that that the ceiling before it, the, they flew through. Not only that, isn't that where the others are going to have to get through to? Uh, well, yeah, it's the most direct place that they could have. You See, know, but got, now you all of a sudden through. you're you're muddying the water of what it is because on that theory, couldn't couldn't he have just sent all the the demigorgons and everything through those openings that to destroy the town? He wasn't worried about that. He was going to turn the town into the upside down. That was his whole plan, and he succeeded at that. Yeah, but then, of what they did. then why not attack the kids with a ton of with a ton of onslaught little? devils or whatever i don't know because we'll find out he was playing with them i, I feel like he was yeah. playing with them because he, he thought he had the upper hand he was arrogant yeah about he what did. he was doing he was even fucking arrogant about 11 too 
because he told her, he said, you failed. I did what I was supposed to do. There's nothing you can do to change it now. Like, well, you technically, know, he, he, he he's was, right. <laughs> well, he was. I'm just saying that he was so full of himself that he didn't anticipate they would at least get what success they did. He still got a nice little fucking fire hot poker up his butthole. He is still needs to. I mean, yeah. Yeah, but he did what he needed to do. He he, he opened up the gate. <laughs> yes. And he is technically now fucking wherever they live. Hawkins is now the upside down kind of um it makes me wonder because I know we're, we're gonna start talking about you know going into season five and everything there's so many theories already but it makes me kind of wonder that do they have time he's they said specifically he's he's hurt real bad and he's mad okay great do they have time to make something happen because seeing that big old spider dude in Hawkins, like we we saw so many times just in the first season alone, was pretty fucking epic. But it was like, oh shit, y'all well, done got fucked a, up. I got a feeling it's going to, if he's that open to an attack, I got a feeling that just understanding how evil guys work, there's no way he would do, he would do the remote, remote thing again anymore. Like, oh yeah, no way. It's going to be direct. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't have to. He's kind of, I think he, I think he's in Hawkins. Yeah, I think he's actually in the right side up if you will um <laughs> there is something revealed about the new season that kind of colors my opinion about what how they're going to go about it okay they revealed the duffer brothers revealed that they are that their plans for the last season is almost like the the end of return of the kings if you ever if you watch the lord of the rings you know that that movie is there's a good portion of it that is you know the actual resolution of the story but the, there's a huge chunk at the end which is just like the epilogue to the you know to the whole thing so i'm thinking that only maybe half of the episodes if that are going to be actually them battling back now and the rest of it's going to be the fallout from it um it's like multiple endings is how they're going to set up the last hmm. season I mean, at this point, the Duffer Brothers can do anything. I think they have so far been able to prove that whatever they start, they fucking finish, which is awesome because it's very rare that you get that. This is going to be the last season, but aren't they already talking about having kind of like other ventures or something? They're talking about a spinoff of mm -hmm. Stranger Things, and they're talking they are in talks to do the Talisman miniseries for Stephen King, which will be fantastic. And it was hinted at in this episode because that's what Lucas is reading to Max. Shit. Um, okay. So we're at the end. This is it. We've pretty much discussed how epic Eddie is, but we didn't discuss, which I don't feel like it, it can, we don't even have to say it, but we're going to his epic guitar solo. <laughs> which by the way the the nice little bit i dedicate this to chrissy some oh, yes. character right there you know exactly where he's coming from like what you know what he's feeling at that point and before he starts in on it yes and basically this particular scene about a three minute 45 second scene of him playing puppet master basically to get all of the vecna bats if you will the demon bats to distract them again, like we said, that's what he's doing at this point. Epic scene. The actor himself actually learned the song, correct? Correct. He learned that, the song. The um, only thing he could not do was the guitar solo, which was played by. Do you know who it was played by? 
he mentioned that he brought they brought in another actor or another person, but I don't. But I mean, I've heard that the actual guitar music was recorded by one of Metallica's uh, the bass player's son, I believe. Mm-hmm. It was. Um, but I don't know that he was the player in the actual show. I think that was somebody else who did the actual finger movements for the you know for Eddie and and those like the faster chord changes. It was actually Robert Trujillo's son, and Robert Trujillo was the bass player. Yeah. So yeah, he allegedly was the one who who pulled it off. So, I mean, epic. No matter how you get to it, um, shocked to hear that Metallica. Well, maybe not shocked, but Metallica. I mean, we've known in the past they've had issues with people using their material. <laughs> Obviously, one hundred percent supported this, and they even have a TikTok video where they are duetting with Eddie, which is yeah, also the, epic. They uh, they praised they praised. Uh, uh, Joseph Quinn, the actor, for his ability to learn the song. And and here's something that's a bit of trivia about this. He is so accurate in playing the, the chord movements for, for the, on the guitar for that that people figured out what song he was playing without the song being played in, like, the trailer that they released before the second, the second part came out. Like, they just showed a few seconds of him playing. People's like, that's Master of Puppets. The finger, the chords are exactly right for it. God so damn. that's how accurate he was. I would never <laughs> fucking be able to figure that shit out. Holy shit. Anyway. the internet. Yeah, that's true. Um, now, here's a little bit of trivia for, for you that I mentioned earlier about the March thing. Master of Puppets was released two weeks oh, yeah. before Eddie would have played his epic scene. I thought so it was one he month. Had two weeks. He had he had two weeks to learn how to play that song before he actually played it on top of the trailer. Which some people could you know say, well, that's that's shitty that they didn't. But I feel like that the Duff Brothers backed it off just enough to show how how good Eddie was as a guitar player. Yeah, that he could like by ear he could figure out how to play that song. Oh, yeah. It was released March 3rd of 1986. Holy shit. Interesting. And and he wouldn't have had he wouldn't have had the Internet. He wouldn't have had tabs to be able to learn it. He would have had to learn that entirely by listening to the song over and over again. Yeah. Figuring out the chord. So two weeks. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. Let's roll into some more Eddie trivia. Um. So, of course, you know, making fun of Metallica, I, I'm surprised that they did praise it, but, I mean, it is getting them, you know, the same kind of recognition from younger folks that uh, the Running Up the Hill got for Kate Bush. Oh but um, uh, th- there's the meme out there that's hilarious uh, where it's, it's, it's a picture of Eddie on top of the, the trailer playing, and then, it, you know, and it's an epic, you know, visuals, and then it's, like, flashed over top of it like it's something from CNN. It's, like, world news. There's <laughs> already sues hawkins high student saying he didn't pay metallica song rights if he wanted to save the world with our song we should get paid for it 100 <laughs> percent. i could totally see them doing some uh, shit like that um i'm sorry lars ulrich deserves every bit of hate that he gets like he totally went about that i, I understand napster fucked a lot of people over in, in the music industry when it came out and people were pirating stuff but he did not have to treat his fans like they were fucking criminals like he did like i mean it was legit fans that he was like shitting on whenever he did what he did but you know that that leaving that aside um there are um there are some fan theories I can get into uh, about that, but I want to bring up one thing first, and I want to discuss this. So there is an article that I saw, I believe it was cheatsheet.com or something mentioned this, and I, I just wanted to know your guys' opinions on these. So there's a lot of fans that are upset over Eddie's death, 
And here's the three points that they contest, and you can tell me what you feel about these. They claim that his death didn't actually serve to prevent Vecna's ultimate destruction of Hawkins and opening the rift uh, between Upside Down and our reality, so therefore his death was pointless. They said that people in town continue to believe wrongly that he was a serial killer and cult leader, so that diminishes what he did. And they're upset that he never got to graduate or meet Will Byers because they felt like that him and Will would have got off to a you know a pretty good friendship too because where he was so into D and D. So, what are your thoughts about those three complaints that they bring up in this? Number one, who gives a fuck about Will? <laughs> Let's start there. <laughs> your other two points are valid. I, I agree with those. I I don't necessarily. I think they need to die mad. I mean, okay. Yeah, maybe. Okay, well, why did this happen? Why did that? It's the fucking Duffer Brothers. It's good. <laughs> Either something's going to be explained or it happened for a fucking reason. Just because you don't know about it now doesn't mean that it won't be something that'll be figured out. I think that these are questions that need to happen. Uh, not even so much that, but th there's plenty of people that do amazing things that never get the recognition or never get the good side shown about it. That's just, that's just, that's humans. It is what it is. It's, it's human. And I feel like that it's actually more heroic for Eddie to Correct. have been known as the villain and still did what he did for the town. Like, yeah. I, mean, I, he didn't I agree with to, that. I think people nowadays are too used to virtuous sig signaling. They have to get immediate recognition for what the good they do. Good deeds go unnoticed all the time. Yes. I mean, they do. I mean, so. Yeah. What, but is, is that your whole goal of doing a good deed is so you're noticed? Or you do do the do good deed because it's a good deed? Don't confuse exactly. the two because they're not the same. I think that these, I think, honestly, there are questions that will get answered later on. But I also think that, I mean, I, there's more theories that we're going to go into. Like I said, it happens you know, for even a better if they if they made an Eddie a bad guy. Okay, here's a here's uh, a thing. Hold, hold, hold that idea. Yeah, hold on uh, to that. <laughs> because that's so what that I was going to get awesome. into. He he died a bad guy. There's a possibility he can potentially come back as a bad guy. We'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. But. So um, I'm trying to think if there was something else I was trying to get at too with that. Why do you think? This is what I was wanted to get to. Why do you think people are taking it so personal about Eddie? Just like my husband said, like people die all the time. With no recognition, because, because he's he's a great character and people hated to see him die. I mean, honestly, now we're gonna we got to bring it up now. If there was any character that deserved to die this season, it was fucking Argyle. <laughs> who is gonna argue it? That son of a bitch had no purpose and has yet to prove why he got any screen screen time. Oh my god, Argyle! That's my husband brought that up. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Why? What was the use of him other than getting them to a pizza parlor so they can make a fucking? Which is so fucking stupid. The one thing that the, that they hinted at, and I and I hope to God this isn't the case. The Duffer brothers hinted that 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 Argyle is psychic, and the reason I say that is because when he's stoned out of his fucking mind, and none of them can find where L's at, he keeps talking about Nina hiding behind a tree, and they're like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? He's like, if I was a woman named Nina, where would I hide? And it just so happens that Nina was the name of the sleep dep or the, the deprivation unit mm -hmm. that L was training in. So there's a hint there that on his highest, you know, trips that, he's, that he takes on, you know, when he's smoking the, you know, marijuana, that that he is somehow, you know, psychic. Uh, and I hope to God that's not the case. Why? I think that I think that'd be a good tie-in. <laughs> if that's, I mean, 
Uh, you think they're going to bring him back for the next season? I I didn't mind oh, his he's character. coming back. Yeah, I didn't I didn't mind his character too much. I didn't mind it either. I could have done without it. Hey, I just felt like he was a non-issue. They could Will him out, but is a non-issue. Him back. How is Will even in the show? Will started the whole thing Will when he disappeared. Into he is the a fucking... horrible character. Here's the thing. Worst character Will, in the show. Will and his brother are kind of pointless right now. The Duffers have got to give them a reason to exist in the, this last The brother, I think, is more Steve, valid. Because the brother is actually older and he can do shit. So he... But... Yeah, but but Steve better than him <laughs> in about every way. I hate to say it, but he is. Oh, my God. Hold on. I got a tidbit of news here talking about Argyle. Uh, apparently, the phone number, the Surfer Boy Pizza number, it really lets you call Argyle, and it gives some sort of Easter egg if you call it. So Netflix has already released a Stranger oh God, Things. Hold on. I wonder if I should, I'm going to call it real quick. I'm going to call it on the speaker. Okay. Yeah, I, I I don't get Will's character. I hate everything about him. I flat out. He's a weak character. He's, he's just he doesn't add anything. He, he he drags down the story. I don't get what he, he does. Is, I think they're hinting I think they're hinting that he's going to be the one person to help him track Vecna in the new season, but still that <sighs> that doesn't give a reason for why he's still around. Okay, I, I, I hate him. Here I don't want to see him. Okay, what does this mean? Let me see. The number itself is visible on the side of the van. You'll get a recording of Argo, who gives his opening line. Here's the order. After the order, Argo briefly returns to the phone to thank you for holding, then hangs up and ends the call. It is not clear if this leads to some Stranger Things Easter egg or not, but at least it's a nice surprise for the fans as they wait for Season 5 to begin. I feel like that's a setup for like it's it's revealing something about the characters in general. I mean, I don't know. I've, I'm sure they link to the characters somehow because it's talking about like the one with the the mold and the you know and all that. That could be Vecna. That could be Eleven. You know. Yeah. And then the yellow, um, very specific on the yellow. Yeah. 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 Hmm. There, there's there's some hint there, but it's going to take some deduction to figure out what they're hinting at with that. It means something for sure. Um. The only thing I was going to bring up about this this article, just to, to finish it off, is that the claims about his death didn't do anything to prevent Vecna's destruction. I agree to that, 
But how was that Eddie to know? He was just being heroic. He was just trying to save his friend and save Hawkins from the the demon bats. He didn't know that Vecna was still going to get the upper hand on him. So it doesn't invalidate his sacrifice at all. It just means that he was doing the best that he could in the moment, which is, you know, what a hero would do. It's just that you don't know unless you try. Yeah. Is, so I mean, I, I don't feel like that that should be a a source of of uh, you know anger for people. That should be something they should hold as like you know to show how good of a person he was that he did the best he could to hold it back, hoping that Steve and some of the others would be the heroes that finished the job, which they did. Yeah, eventually. I'm not I'm not so. arguing the criticism. Like it was like a waste for him. Yeah, it was. I'll give you that. It was a waste. It doesn't mean he shouldn't have not done it. Is the position yeah. I take? I was like, yeah, I can, I can see that it's a waste, but you, you don't know unless so, you would have done it. Eddie might not have graduated, but he did get his validation that was probably more important to him at this point. Of I didn't run this time, did I? Yeah, that that scene, you know, I did, I didn't run, did I? You know, like I that that was the the key factor for him. He he was not the coward at the end. Yeah. Um, do we want to get into the fan theories about why he may not have died? Yeah, at all let's or fucking go. Back? Let's do it. So there's there's some different ones here. Uh, the first one I'm gonna get into. This one's kind of out there, but I gotta bring bring it up first because I thought this was interesting. So a Reddit user came up with a theory that actually Eddie was was is not just a regular person, but he was actually one of the kids that was at the massacre. Uh, that Eleven was played witness to, and he was actually number ten, the one that Papa held in his arms uh, after the massacre occurred. You know, and, and Papa was knocked out. Um, they uh, mentioned that, and I brought this up earlier. When Eddie mentions to Chrissy, he had a buzz cut when they first met in middle school. They bring oh, up yeah. the only person who ever had a buzz cut was Eleven, and that was because they shaved all the kids' heads whenever they were in the experiment. Um, they also mentioned that, uh, 10 wasn't shown mangled like the rest of Dr. Brenner's children and his face was obscured whenever he was holding the child. So that doesn't mean that his eyes were popped and his bones were broke. Like, you know, Vecna or, you know, one did to everybody else. Um, they also pointed the fact that, uh, Eddie seems unfazed when he learns that L has powers, uh, you know, and they had the discussion at the skull rock. Uh, the theory is that he simply doesn't remember the massacre of the experiments like L, but that does. But he also had doesn't like he he does kind of have like vague memories of of seeing that sort of thing. That could have just been like he was accepting of that sort of stuff. You know, you can kind of poo poo that one away. But like I mean, it. You what know, was his it, powers? It, his powers is remote viewing. Um, who, which one are you talking about? Eddie's or not Eddie's, but the number ten. 10. Um. Yeah, I think Ten did kind of have like powers like that. I can't really remember like what he exactly, but I do. Yeah, he was the one that was like seeing stuff far off, and Brenner was trying to push that to see if he he was the one that he was originally trying to get to find, uh, or like you know, or to, like for the experiments for the government to see if he could see like far away distances and stuff. So, and then L ended up being more powerful than than Ten, so he kind of went and, and was in theory the last one left, so he kind of went with her to find Vecna after everything was done. Um, let's see. They also point the fact that Chrissy, uh, in the scene where she's talking to Eddie and he mentions the thing about the buzz cut, she mentions to him out of nowhere that he, he pretty much showed up out of nowhere. So at the time, uh, he was around, uh, 10 would have been around 12 years old and he would have been in middle school. And her saying that means that he could have just popped up kind of like 11 nowhere. 
uh, kind of like 11 did. And like, he could have been, you know, uh, cause he was older than 11 at that time period. And like, maybe his uncle is not really his blood uncle, but like somebody who adopted him and saw the potential in him kind of like Hopper did with, with 11. Wow. That would make uh, sense. Talk um, about the guy yeah, that works few- construction and lives in the trailer park. <laughs> Hopper, what are we talking uh, Hopper about? Hopper was a drunk that was on the edge of fucking just nothing, just ruining, destructing his own life. And when he came across yeah. eleven, yeah, but he didn't. Okay, hold on, let's back that up a little bit because there's a lot of lead up to her, to her living with him. Okay, we don't know the story of Eddie's uncle. We don't know what led up that led to them meeting up and if if. That's true, and he was number 10. Correct. Maybe 80's uncle was like, chose to live that way to protect the kid. That's you what know, I'm wondering. Like, that would make you know. more plausible sense. I mean, technically, Hopper and, and Eleven have to live in that fucking broken down cabin that they were living in previously. It's fucking falling apart. They, they're both presumed dead or Eleven. Maybe Eleven's not presumed dead, but she kind of needs to be hidden away right now. Um, now there are a few things that, that some people pointed out that contradict the theory. Uh, but I don't know that they necessarily contradict it the whole way around. Now, some people pointed out that if he was already 12 years old, it would be hard for him. If he was always in the experiment or most of his life that he would be able to integrate in society as well as, um, or, you know, cause Eleven's had a ton, a real problem integrating and she was younger than him. But I feel like, you know, I don't feel like 10 was uh, it was as messed up from the scenes they showed as what 11 was. Didn't have a, you know, his childhood could have been different. And he could have had total memory wipe if, if they go with the theory that he's still alive anyways. Well, not so that, maybe but it was easier for him. Ed, Eddie's character is kind of uh, an outlier anyways with his personality. Right. If you think about his personality the- in the show, he's an outlier. Yeah, and he he still he was still a person who lived outside of the normal like scope of things. He didn't fit in with anybody, and, yeah. and he just found a group of misfits. So that doesn't I don't feel like that negates it. It actually they do bolsters bring in the it. Fact, yeah, and they do bring in the fact that the actor who played the young version of Ten had blue eyes, where Joseph Quinn has brown. But I feel like there's a way you can retcon that. You know, I mean, when you got people's eyes like blowing up in their face when Vecna attacks. Maybe his eyes turned a different color whenever he was, uh, you know, like when he was attacked. I mean, it's magic. I mean, it's I mean, not outside of anything that they've shown on the show already. Side by side, um, they look pretty fucking similar. Yeah, there's a lot of people who brings that up, too. Like, the actor almost looks like a young version of Joseph Quinn, so it wouldn't, like, be that far out of the norm. The one other thing that they bring up that, that, that they say refutes it um, is that uh, when Eddie uh, takes off his watch to show Nancy the time, they did point out that then this is interesting theater thought. He always wore a watch covering his wrist and that maybe he was hiding his tattoo the entire time with that watch. Oh, yeah. But but the Duffer brothers don't specifically show that his tattoo is there when he takes it off to show uh, Nancy the time, but that doesn't mean anything. They may be not focused on it because they didn't want that to be revealed yet, you know, because yeah. at the time that he showed her that, that would have hinted that one would have been Vecna and spoiled that whole thing. So, I mean. Yeah, well, they know. covered up number one pretty fucking amazing, so. Yeah. Um, and the reason that they say that this figures in that he's maybe not dead, uh, too, is not only that, you know, he 
could still figure into the show being one of the last ones that was remaining of the original group that was massacred, but also the fact that every other character that didn't show an official like funeral type death or anything like that in the show, like Brenner, Hopper and, and Owen were, you know, prior to like Brenner's death in this season, they came back like every single one of them. So yeah. the Duffer brothers are not opposed to bringing back characters. If it show them like completely like, you know, dead, dead. Well, not even that, but they, um, they didn't bring his body back from. Yeah. The, from I was thinking that too. Here, here's a little thing that piggybacks on that. So Netflix posted a pseudo funeral for the character on social, on, on YouTube with the characters in the show giving Eddie like basically like a eulogy, including Joseph Quinn, you know, basically saying we loved you for, you know, what you contributed and all that. And then they pulled it. And some people are theorizing the reason they pulled it is because uh, not only because it angered the fans, but because the fact was that, you know, if by pulling it now, they don't have a confirmation that Eddie's dead and they can bring him back. I mean, that's, that's not too far removed. Huh? plausible you do you think it's i don't believe that the duffer brothers would kill off eddie and not have intention of bringing him back but do you think it's possible that they didn't expect eddie's character to be so epic and that now they're kind of backtracking saying oh shit we need to keep him I don't know that they couldn't have seen Joseph Quinn. Joseph Quinn has a charisma as this character from the very first scene. There's no way they couldn't have seen like that very first few episodes and said, damn, like this is going to be one of the characters that people fall, you know, falls in love with as the show goes along. Because even people on the set said that they started, you know, falling in love with the character just, you know, as an addition to the cast. So there's, and speaking on that, Joseph Quinn has expressed a very high interest in coming back for the fifth season. So, well, yeah. you know, it's open. Dude is like a, almost a legend um, now. <laughs> um, now, here's the thing that could be good or bad for the Eddie fans, depending upon how you view this. Now, this is the other fan theory, and I don't know how I feel about this one. So they theorize that Eddie will be resurrected by Vecna and have a character arc resembling that of Kaz the Destroyer, who was a loyal vampire servant of Vecna's who eventually betrayed his master. And the reason that they back this up is that one, Elle was shown being able to resurrect, uh, you know, Max kind uh, of. from death. And one, uh, or, you know, Krill has the same powers as Levin, so there's no reason why he couldn't do the same thing. In fact, he's probably, he's the prototype, you know, for the whole thing, so maybe his powers are more pronounced than hers. Um, Eddie was bitten by bats, which is kind of a metaphorical link to vampires. Um, Kaz is shown in the in D and D to wield a sword and a shield, and Eddie was shown with a. I mean, it was a spear, but it still, it was a shield and a spear. So he's already kind of shown to have that, you know, like character, you know, presentation. And uh, like we mentioned earlier, Kaz was mentioned in the very first episode of the show. Whenever the rest of the Hellfire Club mentioned that Kaz had already previously destroyed Vecna, so. They could bring Betty, Eddie back, but he could be the villain in this new season, which is something that we've already talked about. So how would you feel about that, Noah, if they brought him back and he was like the villain who eventually helped them kill Vecna for good? Oh, see, I, I'd rather just bring him back as a straight villain. And, it, and him, He might kill Vecna, but he might kill Vecna too. He might be. kill some of the other characters before that happens. Yeah, yeah thing, like though. go after the people in the town that are going after him. Yeah, or he would kill Vecna, that and kill Vecna so that he could be 
the ruler of the underworld or I'd, the new I'd rather, the new world order. I don't know. I I like when the when people that were good go full bad and don't get any redemption. So you're asking the wrong person. I like I like when it doesn't do what people want it to do. I think it would be awesome to bring him back as like a full-on bad guy that teller resentful. I don't think they'll do that. Zephyr's, I, I think they know they'll piss the people off if they bring him back with no redemption at all as a bad doesn't guy. doesn't matter. There's it's no the way. last season. Go all out. <laughs> it, it's not like you're doing another season. I mean, uh, that's true. Everyone loved Billy. Okay. All these, all the fucking women loved Billy. And he got a teeny tiny redemption. Even though, like, people were pissed when he was killed off. Maybe not as bad as Eddie, but people were pissed that Billy was killed off, especially when he kind of attempted to do something for Max, if you will. I don't know. I feel like very little effort was made, but whatever. Yeah, it was the minimal effort. I don't know why they give him so much credit for that. Yeah, and so, and he is not, he came back. But he didn't come back as some, like, hero character. He That's came, what I'm saying. I, I like that. They I, brought him back as pure evil, but mostly because it was in her, and, well, it, it was yeah, going against her it mind. In, it was in Max's mind, but still, they brought him back that way, which yeah. was possible. So, and I, and I fucking dug it. I mean, everyone gets their little bit of Billy, you know, which I was like, this, this is useless. Like, Billy, you're dead. Like, it's over. Sorry, buddy. I'm torn because I think Joseph Quinn could knock it out of the park as the villain, and I and I, I want to see that to a degree. But at the same time, he was such a perfect like arc he had in this season. Do they really need to go back and and if they're going to bring him back, is they, they got to make sure that it's another epic arc for him, or it's going to be pointless? You it know? would, yeah, one way or another. Even if he is, all of this adds up, and he is number ten. He was not as powerful, and I believe that was already said. Where 11 and 1, which are, it's funny because you got 1 and then you got 1-1, one, one, you know, it's a bunch of 1s and zeros yeah. up in here. Um, they were the ones that were focused on, and it was a battle between their powers, but they don't know how powerful 10 was or wasn't. Well, that's, you know? But the thing, too, is if one's, if one's busy fighting 11, who can really take down 10? That's what I'm saying. It, it'd be awesome to make him a bad guy. Oh, no, I agree. Yeah, that's where I'm kind of getting at. Well, like. There's one potential person, but I hope to God that they don't go this route, but I don't know what they're going to do with it anyways. The one strand that the Duffer brothers have left out of this entire show is that whole episode where Eleven goes to another town completely, oh, yeah. Detroit or wherever it was, and she meets that other person that was the, the only other person she knew of to escape the massacre, and uh, that that girl's still out there. So oh, I don't yeah. know what, how she's going to figure in. Oh, my God. And what God. number was she? 14. I, I can't kidding. remember now, honestly. <laughs> I, yeah, actually, we'll have to go back and research that. All right, was there anything else? Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. No, I mean that was the main thing I was bringing up as far as the different uh, theories about him. But yeah, that that was pretty much it uh, as far as that goes. All right. Well, I'm going to wrap this up then because I think we have gotten so far our little of Eddie I think it goes without saying that we all want definitely more of him in one way or the other whether he comes back as a hero whether he comes back as a villain uh even as a fucking vision as such as Billy you know a la Billy if you will I think I don't I don't know that Netflix and the Duffer Brothers knew that it was going to be as epic I think they wanted it to be great I don't know that they expected such an outcry though from the people 
there's one way I could see them bringing him back that would be a vision that would that would fit in the Duffer Brothers, like you know the way they do things. They've made a lot of references to Stephen King films throughout the series. In fact, that last episode has a very, very strong tie to Stephen King's It because at the end of the novel, the main character loses his wife to the deadlights or whatever of It, and she's lost in a coma, and he has to bring her back out of it, which is what Lucas is going to have to do through the help of Elle or whatever to be able to bring Max back out of her deadlights. And... There's the Stephen King thing they could throw in there as a link to Eddie is that when Nick Andros in the stand is killed in an explosion, he comes back to another character and is his guide and his like dreams or whatever to tell him how to do things. Hmm. And it might help Dustin out if he's got Eddie basically in his mind telling him it's like, dude, you got to do this. You got to do that. You know, they could work it in that way and have like a stand tie in if they want to go that route with him. Which uh, I think would be kind of neat. Yeah. I mean, there's so many fucking possibilities. I think, do you do you think there's a possibility that they'll be like, sorry, guys, he's dead, no Eddie? They, they could. I mean, they, they, could. They, they could just say, you know, hey, guys, we gave him a good arc. You should enjoy the character yeah. as he was and so, just move on, you know. Celebrate his goodness. Oh, my God. You think people would be so fucking heartbroken? I will, I will say this, though. There's one other thing that the Duffer Brothers threw out there that I think is interesting. There was a lot of people... there. One of the people in the show was pissed off that there wasn't more people that died in this final episode, and that was, uh, you know, uh, uh, Millie Bobby Brown or whatever, who plays Eleven. Yeah. She mentioned that she thought more people should die of the main cast, and the Duffer Brothers responded back directly to her and said, this is not Westeros, this is not Game of Thrones, this is Hawkins, (laughs) and we don't kill all of our characters off. So, right there, that opens up possibilities. I'm just throwing it out. All right. Fuck, dude. <laughs> Told that bitch where to sit, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. We will be back probably uh, with uh, season five of Stranger Things, where we'll have some more to discuss, I'm sure, when that comes out. But in the meantime, look forward to our next episode where we will be discussing The Ring. I am La Arena. We got the Reverend Dr. Death up in here. And Noah. Hey, yo. <laughs> thanks for listening. Hey, you guys. This is from you.
Holy shit. 